Hi, I'm Amber Blair with Dermcast TV. Today I'm sitting with Dr. Mark Brown, Professor of Dermatology and Oncology at University of Rochester Medical Center. Thanks for coming in with us today. Thank you, Amber. My pleasure. So today we'll be speaking about non-melanoma skin cancers. And I think probably a good way to begin is to group them into high-risk and low-risk skin cancers. Can you start and just kind of build from the ground up on that? Sure. Well, there's two major non-melanoma skin cancers. We have the basal cell cancers and squamous cell cancers. Basal cell cancers are obviously the much more common of the cancers, three to four million new cases every year. And the important thing is to try to determine which is low risk, which is high risk, because that's going to help define the therapy that you're going to choose for your patients. So the low-risk low basal cell cancers are the ones that are smaller, off the head and neck area, and that have a histology that's superficial or nodular. The high-risk basal cell cancers are going to be those in the central facial area, referred to the mask or the H zone of the face, those that show an infiltrative histology, those that are a little bit larger in size for the face that would mean greater than a centimeter in size, or off the head and neck greater than two centimeters in size, and those that have been recurrent. They've been treated before, they've come back. Those are more aggressive basal cells. For squamous cell cancers, it gets even a little bit more complicated. Now, squamous cell cancers are not as common, maybe 500,000 cases, maybe two million cases per year, but a much more potentially aggressive type of cancer. And again, it becomes very important to determine low risk versus high risk. The high risk squamous cell cancers actually have a more significant potential for not only local recurrence, but metastatic spread to lymph nodes or, or even systemically. So your low-risk squamous cell cancers are going to be, again, your smaller cancers and those that have a more superficial histology, such as Bowen's disease or keratol acanthoma type of squamous cell cancer. Your high-risk squamous cell cancers are going to be those that are larger, greater than 2 centimeters in size, those that are more deeply infiltrative, anything that's deeper than the subcutaneous tissue has a much higher risk for potential metastatic spread, um, poorly differentiated histology, or evidence of invasion along a nerve root, perineural invasion. Those are all high-risk squamous cell cancers that you have to be much more concerned about as far as potential for spread. When we start with basal cell skin cancers, tell me what treatment modalities you tend to utilize for these patients. Well, the nice thing about the practice of dermatology is we have lots of different options, anywhere from aggressive surgical procedures to systemic medications to topical medications. So again, you need to think about high risk versus low risk. If it's a low risk basal cell cancer, probably the most common procedure that we utilize is curatage. We scrape the cancers off, and if you select the right cancer, your cure rate's going to probably be 90% or better. You don't want to try to curate a recurrent cancer or curate one of the high-risk infiltrative cancers because it's just not going to be as successful. After curatage, probably the most common procedure that we do is just an excisional procedure. You cut it out, you sew it up. And the advantage is you have margin control. And I also think you have the advantage of quicker healing time and hopefully a better cosmetic result because you've actually sutured it closed and patients usually get a very good cosmetic result. A more specialized type of an excisional procedure is obviously Mohs micrographic surgery. The advantage there is a higher success rate because it's a very meticulous horizontal sectioning and you try to look at 100% of the, of the margins of the tumor. The disadvantage of the most surgery is that it's a little bit more time consuming for the patient, it's a little bit more expensive, um, but for the high risk tumors that we talked about, it's probably the treatment of choice because of the higher success rate. 
talk to me a little bit about your use of systemic medication in some of these treatments. Okay, good question. So again, systemic medication is primarily the hedgehog inhibitors. We now have two of them that are available. We've got probably five years of experience now. Um, it was nice to have a new drug that we could add to the, to the list of ways that we can treat these more aggressive cancers. It's um, a medication that we'll use for an advanced basal cell cancer, that is a cancer that's been recurrent after aggressive surgical procedures and or radiation, and it's no longer something that we can approach that way. Um, it's disadvantage is that it's expensive, you know, probably $8,000 a month. There are some side effects, and you have to treat for anywhere from six to 12 months to get the result that you want. The hedgehog inhibitors have been a great um, success for some of our patients with basal cell nevus syndrome where they have, you know, literally uh, dozens of skin cancers that can be very aggressive. And it's also been very good for patients who just have been unable to tolerate a more aggressive surgical procedure. Have you utilized it in conjunction with Mohs surgery and uh, sort of pulse dosing? So good question, you know, how best to use it. And there was a recent article that was published looking at the way different dermatologists are using it. Some dermatologists will use it prior to doing surgery, so they use it to try to shrink the size of the tumor. Again, we don't have terrific data to know whether we get absolute concentric decrease in the size of the tumor, but it seems to decrease the size of the tumor after four to six months, so that potentially your surgical procedure is a little bit less aggressive. And then there's also a, a group that uses it after surgery, so they've, patients have already had surgery or radiation and now they need to have a hedgehog inhibitor to try to improve their overall success rate. That's an area I imagine we'll see some additional studies and, and information coming out with it. Oh, absolutely. I think we'll see more and more over the years. Now let's switch gears a little bit to squamous cell skin cancers. How does your treatment modalities or choice of treatments differ a little bit in a squamous cell cancer standpoint? Good question. I'm usually much more aggressive with squamous cell cancers because I worry a little bit more about aggressive disease and potential for metastatic disease. Um, I have a practice that's primarily a referral skin cancer practice, so I have a tendency to see the more aggressive ones. Again, if it's a low-risk superficial squamous cell cancer, then probably a simple curatage procedure is adequate. But most of the squamous cell cancers that we see are going to be invasive, um, and usually March control is the way to go. So I usually like an excisional procedure because I like to have a report that says margins are clear. Um, I do utilize Mohs surgery, um, again, for the reasons we talked about before, um, which is a more meticulous look at the margins and being able to track the cancer out and feeling comfortable before we do a bigger reconstructive procedure. The, um, the big concerns, again, are squamous cell cancers that are larger or deeper or that show perineural invasion. And then the question really comes up is, is there anything else that we should be doing? You know, once we've established a clear margin, um, are there some of these patients, besides close clinical follow-up, do some of, some of them need a central node biopsy? Do some of them need imaging studies? Do some of them need um, adjuvant radiation? These are all sort of practice gaps that we don't have clear answers for, um, but hopefully over the ensuing years. And again, we do have um, new drugs that are coming out. It's very exciting. We haven't really had much to offer patients when they've had um, more aggressive, advanced, or metastatic squamous cell cancer, and so we now have some new checkpoint inhibitors that are going to be FDA approved very soon, and I think that adds a lot of excitement as far as being able to offer 
our patients with advanced squamous cell cancer is something else. I was just going to ask you about the pipeline and you jumped right into that. It is exciting to finally have some things out there that we will now hopefully have some new options as Absolutely. far as treatment. As far as maintenance and basic education for the patients moving forward, now you have a history of non-melanoma skin cancer, now what? What's your recommendations for that? So once you've had one skin cancer, your chance of having a second skin cancer in the next two to three years is probably close to 40%. So patients are always, the, their first question they ask me is, well, what's the chance of this cancer coming back? And I usually say, you know, pretty low, you know, probably less than 5%, but you have a 40% chance of getting another one very soon. And they're usually shocked to hear that. Um, but I say the important thing is to see your dermatologist or your dermatology provider every, you know, four to six months, depending upon how much actinic damage they have. And then you get into potential preventative mechanisms. And that comes down to sun protection. So you have a, you know, usually a detailed discussion about appropriate use of sunscreens. There was just an article in the Wall Street Journal yesterday talking about how patients don't use sunscreens correctly. And obviously we know that that happens all the time. So we talk about sun protection, appropriate uh, sun protective clothing. And then there's the question of whether there's anything else. Um, I think aggressive field treatment is becoming more and more popular. And there's all different ways that you can do field treatment, including photodynamic therapy or the use of topical agents such as topical miquamide or topical 5-FU, all very good mechanisms to treat the field to try to decrease potential um, skin cancers in the future. Do you ever advise the patients add a supplement, an oral supplement to what they're doing as far as preventative? Which one were you thinking of? Like a nicotinamide. Yeah, or? so good question. So nicotinamide has become <coughs> very popular. The nice thing about nicotinamide is that it's cheap, seems to be safe without side effects. Um, what the final benefit will be is hard to know. The initial study out of Australia was showed about a 20 to 25% decrease in the number of skin cancers that they had. So it'd be nice if it was 70 to 80%, but still 20 to 25% in a patient who has a lot of skin cancers is probably a good start. So I talked to them about that. Um, I would say that the majority of my patients are interested in trying whatever might be helpful. Um, so I do have some patients on that. I think there are no, more studies that need to be done to see what the final efficacy of that's gonna be. But anything that's pretty safe and not too expensive, yeah. that they can get over the counter. Um, and if it helps even a little bit, I think that's worthwhile. Agree. Thank you so much for your pearls today. It's been excellent to have the chance to speak with you. My pleasure. Thanks for inviting me. From Dermcast TV, this is Amber. Thanks for watching.